You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, the ranking series continues with a look at where the Jets' new-look blue line stacks across the NHL. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. We're going to get into the defensive rankings in just a sec, but I got to mention this right off the top. A huge shout out to my good buddy Ross listens to every episode of the podcast, unlike my other deadbeat friends. But Ross got married over the weekend to his beautiful bride, Michelle. The wedding was gorgeous absolute blast a ton of fun but ross also had the most memorable food of any wedding that i've ever been to so i i gotta get into that i had heard rumblings of something special planned but didn't know the exact specifics of it but nothing surprised or excited or filled me with more joy than seeing the big gigantic red truck pull into the parking lot to serve dinner that's right Rossi got the Red Ember food truck to cater his wedding. If you don't know Ross, he is the single most knowledgeable pizza mind in the city. So him having Zod the wedding wasn't totally unexpected, but still a legendary move by him. And also a legendary move by Michelle to allow it. So I would just say, you know, keep that in mind, everyone, for the next wedding you're planning or attending Whatever it is, ignore the chicken and fish, make it pizza, and make it special. Especially Red Ember, which by the way scored a 9.7 on the Ross pizza tasting scale. So keep that in mind the next time you order a pie. But just wanted to mention that quickly and congrats again to Ross and Michelle. Well, we'll see how long the honeymoon phase lasts when it comes to Jets fans and the revamped blue line in Winnipeg. Just nailed the segue again. There's no doubt the Jets' blue line was ranked much more favorably in this year's rankings than when we did this thing last year. I believe I had the Jets somewhere around the bottom five, either in it or or just outside it, of last year's decor rankings in the NHL. And I think things really got exposed in the series sweep to Montreal, so that maybe necessitated changes finally. And it's been a big, big improvement last year to this year with the additions 
of Nate Schmidt and Brandon Dillon. But the big question is, yes, the Jets are improved, but how improved are they? And how high will they climb the rankings? And I guess ultimately, is it good enough to make a deep run at the playoffs this time around? So let's find that out here. We'll get into our defensive rankings across the NHL. Quick reminder, with these rankings, this is a look solely at the best decors in the NHL heading into this season. No consideration given to the salary cap at all. Not a whole lot given to the future as well. Just what blue line would you most like to have on your team to try and win the Stanley Cup? Now the good news when it comes to the Jets and the decor rankings. They're not in the bottom five anymore. And Winnipeg is not even in the bottom ten anymore. I, I can't believe it either. But I think it's true with the moves that they made. The bad news though... They didn't crack the top 10, despite a pair of savvy big trades by Chevy in the summer of Chevy. So we'll kick off the rankings by starting at the bottom with the worst of the worst. And hey, good news, Sabres fans. You guys aren't dead last this time around. I mean, it might be the only time in these position rankings we see Buffalo avoid being in the bottom spot. But I've got the Red Wings at the 32 spot to kick off this season. And that might change as we move along, especially, you know, with Maurice Sider stepping into the void right now for the Red Wings. Super excited to see what he can do at the NHL level. But I'll, I'll give the slight edge to Rasmus Dahlin maybe having a bounce back season. We'll put Buffalo at 31 instead of 32. Los Angeles comes in at 30 despite Drew Doughty, the big name still being there. Not a whole lot outside of Doughty, and, and Doughty isn't the player that he once was. They're followed by Ottawa and San Jose in the bottom five. I then have Edmonton at 27. I mean, it, for me at least, was just the summer of hell for the Oilers when it came to moves made on the back end. I, I just don't understand still paying as much as they did for Duncan Keith, let alone not getting something in return for taking on that contract. Then you sign Cody Cece to replace Adam Larson. Oh, man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Darnell Nurse had himself a hell of a campaign last year. We'll see if he can build off that. He's going to have to if the Oilers want to make some noise in the playoffs this upcoming year. But too many questions for me to have Edmonton much higher than where I have them. 27 or the sixth worst defense core in the NHL. Vancouver follows shortly thereafter. Quinn Hughes is, I think, going to be great. I also think Ekman Larson isn't going to be as bad as he has been in Arizona. But even then, there's still a lot of holes out there in Vancouver. And I don't think it's enough to push them anywhere near ahead of some of the other teams that are ahead of them. Arizona is 25, maybe solely because of Jacob Chikrin, who I think is going to be an absolute star this year if he isn't already. Then Columbus at 24. Anaheim at 23 rounds out our bottom 10. Let's jump up to the top 10 quickly here because things do get a little interesting, you know, once we move into, I guess, the mushy middle. And that's one of the interesting things that I found while doing the defense rankings here. And even with the forward rankings, this reared its head a little bit, but you just see tears kind of develop across the NHL, right? Where you can, you know, even with my bottom 10, for example, I think you can mix and match and put teams in different spots. And I don't think there's a whole lot of argument to be had with that. But generally, there's an agreement that, okay, these are the bottom 10 teams. 
And then there's tiers up at the top where you might have what whatever it may be, a top three, top four, and then, you know, six through ten are all pretty much agreed upon. Now, in doing the defense rankings, some tiers started to separate themselves as well. You know, I felt pretty confident with my bottom ten teams, and that didn't take me a whole lot of time to figure out. I knew who my top three teams were definitely going to be, and, and maybe even top four. Five through ten was a little tricky, but that's kind of where these tiers and gaps started to show themselves. There's a clear top three, top four. Five through ten, even eleven, you know, a little tricky, but still, I think, separating themselves from the rest of the pack. And then we have 11 through around 21, where that's when the debate starts to get pretty interesting to me. But back to the top of the rankings now. To me, Tampa Bay, Colorado, easy one-two. You can make a case for the Avs or the Lightning at the number one spot. I'm going to give the slight, slight edge to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Just based off, you know what, I would probably rather go with their big four of Hedman, Sergachev, Chernak, and McDonough over Colorado's big four of Makar, Taves, Girard, and Eric Johnson, just because Eric Johnson, a little bit of injury issues, and Sam Girard didn't have the best playoffs. He got exposed a little bit. It, it was just a rough go for him, and I think, you know, push comes to shove. I'll lean a bit more towards, you know, the skills fairly similar, but I might give the size advantage to Tampa Bay over the Avs, and that's why I have Tampa Bay ahead of Colorado. Vegas at the number three spot. Tough to argue with Petrangelo and Theodore. And Alec Martinez has been, you know, surprisingly solid for Vegas as well. So, you know, easy for me to put the Knights at number three. The New York Islanders, and I said this during the forward rankings, but I, I just think we got to give them more love moving forward here. And I have the Islanders decor at number four. It, it's not the sexiest unit in the world, no doubt about that. But how can you argue with results at this point? It's two straight years under Barry Trotz that they have been the best defensive team in all of hockey. And I think they just damn well might have the best defensive pair in all of hockey with how well Pelik and Pulak have been. Never mind Scott Mayfield and never mind Noah Dobson, who's going to have an increased role with the Islanders this year. So New York at number four. They're followed by Dallas in the five slot. Really interested in the year that Miro Heiskanen is going to have. Not a down year last year, but uh, you know maybe he just didn't continue that ascent to superstardom that we saw in the playoffs two years ago but he's going to be paired with Ryan Suter everyone knows Klingberg and Lindell have been solid for a few years now so I actually like the stars with the fifth best decor in the NHL then things get a little interesting here you know and, and when I do you know both forward and defensive rankings I'll always lean towards high-end skill and for me, that's the most important and will push teams higher up my personal rankings. So in this range, I, I might have kind of looked more towards what are the top defensive pairings in the NHL? And that's how I filled out the rest of my top 10. So at number six, I went with maybe a challenger to Pelican Pulak or Makar and Taves for best defensive pair in all of hockey. I got the Florida Panthers at number six. The Panthers are heavily... You know, easily inside the top 10 of the forward and defense rankings, one of the few teams to do so, which, you know, kind of points to where I think they're going to end up during the end of this regular season. But how can you argue with what we saw out of Aaron Ekblad and Mackenzie Weger this past year? I mean, they were dynamite together, 
And if not for Eggplant's injury, who knows? Maybe they take down the vaunted Lightning in the first round. Plus, Gus Forsling had a, a quietly, really, really sneaky good year. But to me, having Ekblad and Uyghur on your top pair, that's enough to put the Florida Panthers at the number six spot. They're followed by the New York Rangers, which might be surprising to some at number seven. But again, high in talent. And Adam Fox was, by the voters, the best defenseman in the NHL last season. That counts for a lot. And he and Ryan Lindgren were a hell of a pairing for the Rangers last year. Plus, you know what? I, I like Jacob Truba on the second pair. I don't love the contract, but like I said earlier in the show, we don't take that into consideration for these rankings. So to have Jacob Truba on the second pair, there's not a lot of teams that will have a right shot defenseman as good as Jacob Truba on their second pair. So I'm going to put the Rangers at the number seven spot. Boston at number eight, McAvoy and Grizzlick. Again, one of the best defense pairs in the NHL. Love the re-signing of Mike Riley by the Bruins. Didn't love the deal given to Derek Forward. Three million to play on the third pair. But the Bruins are always solid defensively, so an easy decision to have them in the top ten. They're followed by Minnesota at number nine, despite losing both Ryan Suter and Carson Soucy. So pretty impressive for the Wild to still be a top ten defense core despite losing two of their top six this past season. And then, again, Jets fans are not going to like this, but I got the Maple Leafs inside the top ten. You know, with all their faults, their decor actually played pretty damn good last year. They didn't lose in the first round because their defense was wonky. They lost because Matthews and Marner couldn't get going offensively. But TJ Brody has been a great addition for them. Morgan Riley played really, really well in that loss to Montreal. And then to have a guy like Jake Muzzin on your second pair and Travis Durbin on your third pair for that matter. The Leafs, they got issues. But, you know, maybe unfortunately for everyone cheering against them, the decor isn't one of them. So there you have it. The bottom 10 and the top 10 in the NHL. The Jets aren't on either of those lists. So we got to find out where they fit into matters when we look at the other 12 or so teams across the NHL. But before we do that, got to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Week one may be in the books, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So things got to keep rolling once week two gets underway. And to kick the second week of NFL action off, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 on any football game. That's right. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app ASAP and place a bet of just $1 on any Week 2 game and you get $200 in free bets instantly. And a reminder too, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state, your province, your country, whatever, DraftKings still has big, big cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required once per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to the rankings now. And this is where things get interesting. I mean, I think most reasonable Jets fans, I'll say, will probably have the Jets somewhere in and around 11 through 22, which is what we have left in our rankings here. How high, how low? Even I'm not sure how optimistic or realistic Jets fans are about the decor heading into this season. But I'll show you where my rankings are and where I have the Winnipeg Jets right now. So let's start. We'll move our way from the bottom down to number 11. So let's start at 22. And we mentioned the Montreal Canadiens earlier in the episode. And for me, the loss of Shea Weber drops the Canadian down to the number 22 spot. I know they added David Savard. I'm not sure and I'm not sold on Sherrod Savard working as the second pair for Montreal this season. Love Jeff Petrie, outstanding defenseman, but I just look at what Montreal has right now, and to me, more questions than answers. I might be a little harsh on Montreal here, I'll admit that, but I've got the Habs at 22. 21, the Washington Capitals, which, again, might be surprising, but I'm a little low on Montreal, Washington, and Pittsburgh, who we'll hear from pretty quickly here. I know the Caps have John Carlson. I know he's tremendous offensively on the power play. Don't love the rest of the mix there. Dimitri Orlov hasn't been great for a few years now. Justin Schultz, yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe we've seen the best of him at the NHL. His best days are probably likely gone. And the loss of Brendan Dillon, while Winnipeg's gain, is obviously a big, big blow for the Washington Capitals. I think the salary cap bit them in the ass. I got the Caps at 21 they're followed by Chicago at 20. Some good moves made by them this offseason. But despite me thinking that Seth Jones is actually going to be an outstanding player for them, I like the Jake McKay move. There's still some injury issues with him. The rest of the decor is a little unimpressive for me. I got Chicago at number 20. Followed by Pittsburgh at 19. Again, maybe that's the Flyer fan in me pushing Pittsburgh down a few pegs. But not a big Chris Letang fan. I thought he kind of slowed down a decent amount. And at age 34, who knows what we're going to get out of him this season. The rest of the decor, I don't know. It's weird, but I don't know if you could say it's better than what Winnipeg has to offer. So I got Pittsburgh at the 19 spot. We're getting closer and closer to just outside the top 10. Still haven't heard the Winnipeg Jets name called just yet. 18. I'm going with the Calgary Flames. I think Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev were one of the more underrated top pairs in the NHL last season. But the loss of Mark Giordano for me, Calgary didn't go out and find a way to replace him. And it's tough to do that, but they didn't make another addition on the blue line. And so despite some good pieces there, the two guys that I mentioned, as well as Anderson, Rasmus Anderson, and Yusuf Alamaki on the second pair, there's a chance Calgary could end up higher on the rankings, you know, once the season gets underway. But for me now, Calgary sits in the 18 spot. 17, I'm going with the Seattle Kraken, finding themselves into the 17th slot. And then right after them, 16, pretty much smack dab right in the middle. I've got the Winnipeg Jets with the 16th best defense core in the NHL heading into the upcoming season. Now, before I get into why I have the Jets 
in the 16th spot. I'll just unveil the rest of my rankings quickly. The New Jersey Devils come in at 15 after the addition of Dougie Hamilton. The St. Louis Blues at 14, so another central team there. Speaking of the central, the Nashville Predators. Surprising, I mean, they've been in the top 10, maybe the top 5 for how many years now? But their loss of Ryan Ellis just cannot be ignored for me, but still having Yossi and Ekholm for the time being at least. Gives Nashville the 13th spot. Philly, after some big moves, speaking of Ryan Ellis, they jumped to 12. And the Carolina Hurricanes, despite losing Mr. Hamilton, still have the 11th best defense core in the NHL. So why the Jets at 16? To me, there's a few reasons why they jump up in the rankings, but maybe not into a no-doubt-about-it top-half decor in the entire NHL. The main reason for me holding Winnipeg back from jumping up a couple of spots is just the fact they don't have a number one defenseman. They don't have a no-doubt-about-it top-pair guy heading into the season. All the teams that are ranked above the Winnipeg Jets have that guy. And then a couple other solid defensemen as well. But that to me is the big separator right now is that the Winnipeg Jets have, you know, for sure five second pair guys. Maybe even six depending on what you think about Logan Stanley. But nobody that I think other teams have to game plan around just yet. That that to me is kind of the next step. Okay, the decor is solid. But how do we take it from solid to spectacular? The first step to that happening is something that I actually think is going to take place this season. I mentioned this in my bold prediction episode a few weeks ago. And, and while we had some fun, you know, making some crazy predictions, I actually think this one is going to come to fruition. But I, I think Neil Pionk is going to be a low-end first-pair defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets this upcoming season. There's been so much talk about getting help and getting support for Josh Morrissey and this chase to get him back to where he was a few seasons ago. And we'll get to Josh Morrissey in just a second here. But I feel like nobody's mentioning whatsoever that Neil Pionk also hasn't had a whole lot of support beside him over these past couple of seasons. And he's actually performed extremely well given those circumstances. What is he going to do now that he has a no doubt about a top four player beside him this entire upcoming season, regardless of who he's paired with? I think Neil Pionk is in line to have a massive season coming off that big money extension he just signed. There's the chance that he plays first line power play minutes. And maybe he even gets the most minutes period on this entire team. I mean, I can completely envision a scenario where Neil Pionk racks up 55 to 60 points, is playing 22, 23, 24 minutes a night. And becomes this team's most reliable defenseman at both ends of the ice, honestly. I mean, I mean, why not? Right? Why not? Just because he was, you know, a little unheralded coming over to Winnipeg after a tough rookie season in New York? I mean, to me, he's got all the tools. We all know how good he is with a puck on his stick. Very instinctual. Very great passer. I think he's underrated defensively on top of that. He's feisty as all hell. He's not afraid to throw a big check in the open ice. I love every bit of his game. And I think, you know, if, for example, he's paired beside Brendan Dillon, that to me is Winnipeg's number one defense pairing going into the season. And I think it's one that's actually going to be really effective. And I think we can see Brendan Dillon bring out the best in Neil Pionk. I really, really believe that 
we're going to see the best season yet, even after a couple of really solid campaigns from number four. Back to Josh Morrissey, though. And, and look, hey, all the spotlight is, is rightly on him, right? I mean, he's the most highest paid defenseman on the team. A couple of down years. No one really knows if he's going to recapture the form that he had beside Jacob Truba. So, I mean, I guess what you expected of Josh Morrissey this season is probably indicative of where you have the Winnipeg Jets defense core ranked across the NHL. And I guess you could tell by me having them at 16 that I, I think Josh Morrissey is going to bounce back this year. I, I don't know if he's going to get back to the level that he did playing beside Jacob Truba, but I think whether it's Nate Schmidt or even Neil Pionk playing beside him, I think he's finally got a partner that's complementary to the style that brings the best out of Josh Morrissey. You know, despite the the high offensive numbers that he put up in junior, I believe at the NHL level that he's been at his best beside a partner who is the primary puck mover, who is the primary puck carrier, who's going to make that solid first pass out of their own zone and kind of allow Josh Morrissey to focus more on the defensive side of the game, allow him to be the instinctual blue liner that I think is when he's at his best. And I think whether it's Nate Schmidt or Neil Pionk, they're going to take care of those duties. So I, I do think we will see, you know, Josh Morrissey have a bounce back season. How good is he going to be? I'm I'm a little unsure about that, to be honest. But at the very least, he's not being tasked with some of the most difficult minutes in the entire NHL. And, and honestly, that's what he had to do these past two years. Playing top pair minutes against the other team's best lines with, you know, no disrespect Either Tucker Pullman, Nathan Beaulieu on his offside, even carrying Vili Hainala and Sammy Niku at times. It hasn't been the easiest go for Josh Morrissey these past two seasons as far as support has gone. That completely changes for him this year. I still think Neil Pionk is going to be this team's best defenseman by the end of the season, but that doesn't mean that Josh Morrissey can't have himself a hell of a year as well. On top of that, I find this really funny but the Jets probably have the third best third pairing in the NHL. And it's the two guys we spent all the offseason talking about which one was more important to lose and which one was more important to keep because of the expansion draft. And that's Logan Stanley and Dylan DeMello. We saw last year how effective those two could be. And, and that was Logan Stanley's rookie season, right? Just getting his feet wet. You know, I hadn't played at the NHL level in so long. Imagine what those two can do this year with Logan Stanley feeling much more comfortable in his second year. I mean, Dylan DeMello, in all honesty, is a top four defenseman and, and should be on a lot of teams' second pairing. Maybe even a lot of teams' first pairings, if we're being honest. But no doubt about it, second pair guy. Now the Jets have the good fortune of having Dylan DeMello on their third pair for the time being. He's proven in the past he can carry, you know, a second pair all by himself. Imagine what he can do all season long on the third pair. Maybe even in sheltered minutes still with Logan Stanley beside him. I, I love the fit between those two. And outside of Colorado and Tampa Bay, I don't know how many third pairs are better than the one that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be icing for game one of this upcoming season. So look, while it might not be as high as some of you may have hoped, started from the bottom five last year, now we hear... Into the middle of the pack, at least. <laughs> and there's a chance the Jets could climb even higher as the season moves along. Either way, it is nice to know, at the very least, the Jets have a good blue line heading into the season. I don't think we can say great just yet, 
but good is a major, major improvement. How good? We're about a month away from finding out, but at the very least, it's optimistic after a couple of doom and gloom seasons on the blue line here in the Peg City. But I'd love to know what you guys think. I am so fascinated and intrigued to hear where you rank the Winnipeg Jets decor across the NHL. Because I, I know there's optimism abound, but I just want to know how optimistic everyone's feeling about the Winnipeg Jets blue line. So let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Where would you rank the Winnipeg Jets blue line? Top 10 if you're feeling really rosy or, you know, are the additions not good enough to keep them out of the bottom 10? I, I think we're going to get a wide array of answers here, and I'll do my best to try to get an average ranking and, and see where, you know, the general consensus here is in Winnipeg about the new look blue line. We'll get to all your comments and questions about the decor as well on Friday's show. Had a ton of fun last week on Friday getting into the forward questions. We'll do the same at the end of this work week with the blue line. And that's what we'll get back into it on Friday's episode, so make sure you tune into that one. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, we're back on Friday. Peace.